I'm here with my husband, Tim, and we want to talk about homeschool today. Um, generally, it's not a topic that everyone can relate to, but right now with quarantine, just sort of ending, a lot of us have come through a journey of learning what homeschool is all about or just different versions of homeschool. Um, I did not know anything about homeschool other than the fact that the people that did it were very quiet, tended to go to my church and didn't, they had talked about how they didn't like it. And so my impression of homeschool was no way would I ever do that to my own child. Um, things changed when I met Tim and he told me that he really wanted to homeschool our children and that was a huge value to him. He, and so Tim, do you want to talk a little bit about why um, you wanted to homeschool your kids and you knew that before you even had any? <laughs> so I noticed you didn't call me your uh, handsome or beloved husband this episode. Uh, we were changing up the intro. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I went to preschool and daycare and um, private school and public school for a brief moment of time. Um, and then in high school, my dad and I started, my dad was a teacher for many years. Uh, now he's, um, a hospice chaplain. But, um, anyway, started reading about the history of compulsory schooling and compulsory school laws in the United States and then in Europe and started thinking about the implications of using up all of the day's time as well as um, children's natural inclination to learn that you see with babies and toddlers you know you don't have to convince them or trick them or intimidate them into doing learning. They just gleefully learn. They try to walk and they crawl and they're constantly failing and falling on their faces or trying to grab something or whatever it might be. Um, and then also just the, the idea of bells uh, every 50 minutes. Did you actually have bells at your high school? Mm-hmm. Even though it was small? Mm-hmm. And assigned reading versus uh, self-directed reading or uh, even, you know, curriculum issues like whole word uh, reading curriculum versus phonics or phonetic. Um, I think we need to go back to the bells thing and need to explain what's wrong with a bell. You know, some of us like clocks. We like to keep track of time. We like to organize it. Right. So um, the idea of a bell, aside from any sort of illusions, at least in my mind and others I've read or spoken to, is associating it with, uh, you know, being in a prison, is that your attention is only supposed to be on a particular subject for... Uh, just short of an hour and then moving on to something else that's not actually how real life works like in my job for example 
Um, you know, you spend hours at a time. If you're doing something uh, like uh, writing a novel or a symphony or driving a truck or uh, working in a factory or whatever it might be or doing a surgery, you know, it's not like, like that at all. And so to do intensive and in-depth learning or study is not um, broken up like that where your attention span is like, oh, now on to something else. Um, and so I think, you know, there's mitigating uh, factors that can be in place, you know, like block schedule or, you know, some alternative schools do different things. But. Can you explain block schedule for people who don't have a reference to that? So you could have two 50-minute periods in a row in the same subject in the same classroom context. Uh, so you essentially get two I'm, hours. I mean, couldn't you just spend a whole month doing one subject? Yeah, and there's alternative schools, and then at the university level, I think Colorado College does uh, single subject or block subject type learning quarter to quarter. Mm-hmm. So you would just do uh, calculus. So maybe you could do calculus one, two, and three all in one quarter because that's all you'd be doing is calculus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't reviewed their program lately, but um, that would be an example. But in general, the idea is that the uh, artificial school structure is just that. It's It's not necessarily connected to any sort of actual real uh, practice of life or apprenticeship or learning uh, science with scientists and research and however they actually do things. It's kind of a, a uh, an approximation that's even less than an approximation. Maybe that's even giving it too much credibility. And I had some really great teachers, you know, and I think there are really great teachers out there. That's not the issue. I think that... Um, the superiority in my mind after you know years of study and experience and you know talking with people who've done it uh, or who've done both is that the um, ability to learn at a customized pace based on the individual person as well as to focus on projects in a more in-depth way again, in a customized uh, context for an individual person. And then the fact of sort of a generational living where you're interacting with your community in a way that is, reflects how adults are interacting with the community rather than being cloistered away with people of exactly roughly the same age all day, every day, and then classified by that segregated age group as well as being classified by letter and number grades and then further classifications um, you know and I always did really well in school and you know was heavily involved so it wasn't about for me you know sort of coming up with something you know, that would make me feel better it was really kind of an astounding kind of slap in the face kind of experience for me to be like, hmm, how worthwhile is this project? 
Okay. Um, so a lot of people just sort of got dropped into homeschool this year. Uh, is there any advice that you would have given them? Yeah, I think that a lot of what works is through trial and error. And so if there's support materials from the school that you know, you've been a part of or your child has been a part of, you can use that, you know, and obviously if you need to complete different things that are required, great. But the time it takes to complete the work from like a worksheet packet or like if you have a laptop that the school district provided or something, you know, it probably takes maybe three hours. And so then you're thinking, well, what do I do with the rest of the time? And so what's exciting to me about that is you can do assigned reading that's assigned by you in consultation with your student child. Um, they could be involved in more arts related things. So that could be arts and crafts. That could be music. That could be creating something like drawing just on their own or photography or doing something in the yard uh, or in the house with science. So you basically saying there's a few hours of school and then there's extra time. Like how do you teach your child to discipline their time without like reinstituting a kind of feeling of a bell? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of what we've done has been um, based on your organizational approach and skills. I'm sympathetic to a subsection of homeschooling, which people call unschooling, which says, uh, and it's similar to kind of a parenting style as well, that the child knows best and just kind of let them figure out what they want to do with their time. And I don't agree with that. Uh, like I said, I'm sympathetic to the idea. But I think that for those two or three hours where you're doing, you know, some sort of practice uh, problems of math or you study, you know, something from history and literature. And in our home, you know, it's done as a group for some of those things. And then obviously the math levels are individual. Um, and then there's individual coaching and review and so forth. Um, but then the rest can be more flexible, you know, where... Um, you know, you would say, okay, so now everyone needs to do their piano practice, for example, in our home, and that's just kind of expected. And then everyone needs to have their math done, and then we're going to do these group things together. But other than that, you know, their time is their own, built around family meals, rest time, family walks, and uh, outdoor time. And then ballet. So if you if your kids do something like sports or horseback riding or dance or piano or symphony or whatever it might be, chess club, um, you know, your day is going to end up being structured anyway, just like any adults would, would be. Mm -hmm. But obviously in the homeschool context, you don't have bells and you don't have, uh, you know, desks. And 
you know, the, the sort of the, all that babysitting time where it's like, okay, you have lunch, you have recess, or, uh, you know, times between classes that adds up, you know, 10 minutes for five or six classes per day to roughly approximate getting close to matching the eight-hour workday, which is when parents are at work, um, which I think is probably one of the main reasons why the school day is that long. Do you feel like your kids are missing out um, from anything that kind of a general typical school could provide? That was something that bothered me. And I, for a long time, I kind of wondered, oh, you know, because I was involved in sports and student government and choir and band and handbills and you know, I don't know any, about anything you could do. I was doing it uh, in terms of extracurricular clubs and, uh, you know, whatever. And so that kind of was a concern to me just because I felt like I wouldn't be able to pass that on. So that wouldn't be something that we would share. Mm -hmm. But I think that what we have found is that their experience is, again, in my opinion, superior. They have a generational context all the time where they have siblings of various different ages and then they're with their parents and their grandmother. And all of the kids participate in ballet and piano. In ballet, particularly, which is not something that I participated in as a child, they um, do have some age structure, but there's a lot of overlap based on height and their level of ability. Um, but then when it comes time for performances and they do narrative ballets, what, at least once a year, it seems mm -hmm. like everyone's together in the cast. Right. Which is like, again, that's more real life. Um, and I remember one of my professors uh, in the Department of Music at Walla Walla University, um, Dr. Craig Scott, he actually said in one of my classes with him, he said, you know, it's unnatural that, you know, you're all together with roughly the same age a person, you know, in, you know, quite a large crowd of several hundred or a thousand students or several thousand um, in a residential campus setting. And, you know, you have all your meals provided and et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, and then you, you know, there's this kind of transition when you get out. Whereas if you're maintaining uh, a generational existence all along, you would thinking that's healthier. And this is someone who's a professor who's done multiple graduate degrees. Uh, so I remember thinking about that too. Um, you know, that it, some for academics being a priority for, for us, we also extremely value... Um, making sure that you're not cloistered away in some sort of artificial like context that's unnatural. Right. I remember being in school and thinking the only professions that I've ever actually seen people do is teacher, like 
uh, postman, um, somebody at the cashier at the grocery store. I mean, there was very limited professions that I was able to observe because my all my time was taken over by school. And then you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your future, but you don't really know where to start because there's such a handful of things that you even know about. Yes, yeah. And that issue of being a part of the community where you live uh, and the region. Um, one of the primary people that I've been affected by and influenced by as it relates to this issue is uh, the late John Taylor Gatto, who was the former uh, New York State Teacher of the Year and also formerly New York City Teacher of the Year. And he wrote uh, his first major book and classic, I think. It's in, I don't know, it's 25th anniversary edition. It's called Dumbing Us Down. And he talks about school and versus education. And this is someone, you know, who was spent most of his career as a school teacher in New York City. And um, he talks about how there was this young man who was like 13 who came to school once or twice a month. And so, of course, that doesn't really work for attendance and truancy laws in New York. And so John Taylor Gatto just marked him present because he was the primary teacher or homeroom teacher. I don't know how that works. Hmm. He marked him present after he had a conversation with him. He said, what are you doing? Why aren't you at school? This is probably going to catch up to you. And he goes, well, most of my extended family, aunts and uncles, you know, grandparents, my parents, they all own their own businesses. Mm-hmm. And they have different businesses. And so I worked it out, you know, that I could shadow each of them and learn, like, the florist business or the courier delivery business or the restaurant business or, you know, whatever. I don't remember mm-hmm. what all the businesses were. but And then by the time he was 16, 17, 18, to figure out what he was interested in or if he wanted to start something completely different um, and strike out on his own or join one of his family's businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Gato just covered for him. <laughs> and the kid was kind of a troublemaker anyway, so none of the other teachers ever asked any questions. <laughs> um, you know, this is a guy with a master's degree from Columbia University. You know, kind of an interesting character, obviously, the teacher himself. So I think what we want to end with, like, is if you had had a homeschool education... How do you think your life might have been different? Um, I think I would have had a lot more time for uh, music, which I spent a lot of time doing anyway. I took piano lessons through university. But that was something that I felt like I was always squeezed for time, and I was really exhausted mm-hmm. because of my school schedule. So even in college when music was one of your majors? Well, except then. Mm-hmm. There I had, that was when my you know, overall, I was more focused and specialized compared to high school and K through six or whatever, but K through eight. Would you say that part of the reason you felt squeezed for time was because your family didn't actually own a piano? 
We had a piano for a lot of years. Okay. Once I was like in eighth grade, I think. But I think for me personally, remembering those blocks of time that I didn't have now looking at my own kids, you know, I'm kind of jealous because I was someone who was always reading. I mean, I still am, but I would have had more time for reading, more time to develop um, some of my own um, writing, which I started, you know, something I just sort of started doing. Um, but because I was involved in varsity sports as well as music and student government and school, it was like I was getting home and crashing. And then I would do my homework like in other classes sometimes. And weekends, was there a lot of homework or what were you doing on weekends? Yeah, I guess I did have a fair amount of homework. Um, that's really weird. I don't remember. I mean, on Saturday, I was Seventh-day Adventist growing up. I still am. So I wasn't, that was like the rest day, worship, go to church, uh, be with family and friends. Mm-hmm. So Sundays, I don't remember. I was probably playing basketball with my dad or reading or... So you weren't trying to squeeze in things you wanted to do necessarily on Sundays, like... You had an itch. I was always pretty exhausted. Yeah, so you were just sort of recovering. Right, yeah, I think that's a good word. Um, but, yeah, I, I there's this quote uh, from parents, like testimonials that uh, from some of Gatto's uh, essays and books and things and that really resonated with me. And, and I'll, I have to paraphrase, I can't remember exactly, but this guy was saying that school was for him like this burden and distraction from his otherwise interesting life. And I always felt that to be true up until college. Uh, I felt like in college I had a lot more teachers who were actually accomplished in something and were involved in interesting work, you know, writing books or doing research or both or, you know, projects that they were doing, like maybe in other countries or whatever it might be. Um, and so the nature of being a college professor is there's more expectation or even requirements to do that. So that makes more sense. But um, yeah, what, I guess what I think most of all is that for young people to be able to find their gifts and talents and sort of uncover those and then also both cherish and cultivate those they need time mm -hmm. so on that let's um hope for lots of time for our kids to figure that out until next time okay thanks <laughs>